This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. We'll have two hours of advanced analysis, the X's and O's, headlines around the NBA, and breakdown of your Utah Jazz on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops Show, ESPN 700. Back after a long summer, Andy Larson. Yeah. Andy Larson is the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at the Salt Lake Tribune now, if you only know Andy through this radio show. That's a ridiculous way to know Andy because he's much more prolific online and on Twitter. Find him at Andy B. Larson. You know me. I'm the co-host of Gunther and Ben right here, 2 to 6, Monday through Friday on ESPN 700. We are back because we are, what, 16 away, 16 days away from the first Utah Jazz game of the preseason? Yeah, and 10 days away from the start of training camp. I mean, really, basketball is, is here again in, in a big way. Next Friday... Utah Jazz uh, media training camp. They brought it back. They missed it last season. We'll yep. be back, and everyone's going to be back together doing that. That should be fun. Tuesday, they're inviting media out for lunch because they're going to change some of the rules as far as what media access goes, and we'll see. Better better be more, not less. Oh, no, I no. bet it's less. <laughs> they're giving us lunch? Yeah. It's going to be less. It's going to be less. So, uh, but yeah, <laughs> We're not crazy. buying them lunch. We are, we are already in the NBA season. You get uh, excited for college football, or if you're a fan of college football, that kind of gets going, and then all of a sudden the NBA is right on its heels. And I'm excited for the NBA to start out because uh, it's a long off season, and uh, it's fun to have it back. Yeah, I mean, usually we, we talk about how kind of year-round basketball is, and there is some of that, but really September and late August is where it starts to get to slow down. Everyone takes their vacations. Heck, I was on vacation last week. You know, it's all... This is the time of the year to take off, but now we hear, you know, we know that the Utah Jazz are, most of them are at ZBBC participating yep. in OTAs right now, getting ready for uh, the start of the season. And really, this is almost pre-training camp. And with the shortened training camp happening over the last couple of years, these OTAs have taken on a much bigger importance around the league in terms of yep. getting teams together uh, and ready to play for the start of the regular season. Uh, are the coaches there right now? Yes. And they can interact with them? Yeah. So um, there were times when they couldn't interact with them, but obviously the Jazz are going to open up the gym. If Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert want to get together and come and play, you're going to have access to the gym. Yeah, and, and there are kind of rules about how much the coaches can necessarily interface with them, so you can't you know, run scrimmages and that kind of thing. But those players can decide to play in front of a coaching staff that they work with on and off. You know, It's, it's kind of uh, informal is the way that it, it really is officially and, and, you know, honestly probably is in practice a little bit too. Uh, and I'm sure you've seen the videos on Instagram, on Twitter of these guys playing at Poly Pavilion and UCLA and getting together for the big uh, off-season games. Everyone's getting together. Everyone's trying to get back in shape. Again, most of these guys do love basketball. Some of them don't love basketball. They're not going to be there trying to play because they want to play as little as possible and yeah. make as much as possible. But, yeah, Rudy Gobert's going to be there. Rudy Gobert wants to play because Rudy Gobert's a – Big-time NBA player. He loves basketball. He likes playing. He's trying to get in shape because he wants to get better. And we'll see. You know, I, I think that was a big thing in years past is who comes to training camp in and out of shape. It does feel like in recent years, fewer guys have come in out of shape. Like, it's just harder for people to notice that you're uh, – it's easier to notice for you for people to notice that you're out of shape earlier on in the season or in the summer. So, you know, if you're on Instagram and someone sees that you've gained 30 pounds by July, people are worried about it and are talking about it. And, you know, maybe that's a, that dissuades your average athlete from going to Hawaii and eating, sure. uh, you know, a, a pork. Hawaiian barbecue. A, a whole, yeah, whatever. Chicken teriyaki and mac salad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That being said, I, I do think it'll be interesting to see these guys on media day on training camp and see kind of do the, the Gordon Hayward taking stock of guys who who has gotten bigger, especially from the young athletes, guys like Donovan Mitchell, Dante Exum, and, you know, Grayson Allen, too. 
All right, tweet at us at Andy B Larson at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. You got questions? You want the uh, comments? You want to talk about the Utah Jazz? Let us know. That's the best way to get in touch with us. You can also text us on the text line, 877-353-0700, 877-353-0700. you got some jazz takes. I will be looking at those. Tweet at Andy, at Andy B. Larson, if you have some uh, thoughts. Questions? No questions yet. No questions yet. Okay. Uh, where do you want to start, then, with the Utah Jazz as we get the season underway? Well, uh, do you want to let's get into jazz rank? Let's start ranking these guys? Uh, yeah, and we can talk about why this is the case. Because Sports Illustrated yeah. just released a uh, ranking of the top 100 NBA players. Have they done the top 10 yet, or have they just done 11 they've through done, 100? They've done all 100. The last 10 were released today. Okay. So they did uh, all 100 players so far. Uh, Utah Jazz had five players in the top 100 between 11 and 100. Actually, what, Rudy was the highest at 14? Yeah, and, and you know, in fact, they had five in the top 60, not only yeah. just the top 100, and they were one of only two teams along with the Boston Celtics to have five guys in those top 60 players. So that's you know that says a lot about the Jazz's, I don't know about, Low-level depth, but at least having five guys in that top group is is a really unique thing among NBA teams. Ricky Rubio came in at number 57. Joe Ingles came in at number 56. Derek Favors came in at number 51. Donovan Mitchell came in at 34. And Rudy Gobert came in at number 14. Who's too high? Who's too low? Yeah, um, I I think you can really easily make the case that Donovan Mitchell deserves to be better than number 34. You know, the way Sports Illustrated drew out the list. It was about how good they're going to be in the 2018-19 season. And I think you look at what Donovan Mitchell did, not only for the last four months of last year's regular season, but also the two rounds of the playoffs. And I think he impacted the game in a way that I don't think 34 other players did. And I think you can put him above players, even some really talented players like Kevin Love, like CJ McCollum. And I think I would put Donovan Mitchell is more likely to have better seasons than those guys and, you know, a few other guys in those top 35. Uh, I, I just think Donovan Mitchell's poised to have a better year. Uh, really quick, let's just give you the top 10 if sure. you're uh, curious. There, uh, again, there was no Jazz player that made the top 10. But here are your top 10 players in the NBA according to Sports Illustrated. Number one, Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron James. Number two, Kevin Durant. Number three, Steph Curry. Number four, James Harden. Number five, Anthony Davis. Number six, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Number seven, Russell Westbrook. Number eight, Chris Paul. Number nine, Joel Embiid. And number 10, Jimmy Butler. Here's what's crazy. You could make real arguments that Rudy Gobert is better than a lot of those guys. Not a lot, but Rudy Gobert impacts the game more than Jimmy Butler does. Uh, I... I, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think, I, I think true. Jimmy Butler is very, very, very good. Like He's phenomenally good. I, I think you can make that argument. I, I have no problem with Jimmy Butler being a top 10 player, nor with Rudy Gobert being number 14. Yeah, I, I don't think Rudy Gobert is necessarily underranked. I'm not this guy who's saying, well, they don't appreciate him enough. I'm just saying, if, if you're talking about you know injuries, and Rudy has injuries too. Jimmy Butler was injured for a lot of last season. Sure. Uh, scoring on the perimeter is an enormous importance. Rudy Gobert's ability to change the game every time he's on the floor, and the way he changes, the way your offense can run, is as single-handedly impactful defensively as there is anybody in the league. And I'm going to take Rudy on any given night the same way I would take Jimmy Butler. I yeah. mean, if you're drafting those players and you took 1-1 one, one, and 1-2, one, no one's going to care which one you took first. You're going to have a good team on either side of the ball. And I think that's a good thing for the Jazz. I think it's a good thing. Good for Jimmy Butler. Uh Joel Embiid being number nine, again, he scores more than Rudy does. He's not quite the defensive player right now that Rudy is. He's got much higher upside still than Rudy does at this point in his career. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, Younger, first of all, and again, just has more of the offensive skill set, especially with a shot. Russell Westbrook at seven, insanely prolific. Uh, He hasn't been great since, I mean, his numbers are incredible. He's averaged a triple-double back-to-back seasons. That No one's ever done it for more than one year except for Russell Westbrook, so him doing it is absolutely incredible. Let's see what his career looks like. Is he, you know, he had surgery, what, yesterday? 
unfortunately, yeah. and, and he's going to miss all of the preseason, most likely going to be ready for the start of the regular season. He's going to yeah. have to win. you got to win, and that is one of the important things sure. if you want to be one of the best players. I don't think I think sometimes we do overlook that too much when we're getting too uh, into the statistical aspect of it. The best stat is wins and losses, and if you're on a team that doesn't win, it's hard to be the best player. Yeah, I, I would say a couple things. One, sports, his ranking was determined before they knew about the knee surgery. Sure. So, you know, obviously when the guy has knee surgery, especially uh, like Russell Westbrook, who has had, I believe it's two or three surgeries on that same knee, that's a real concern and it might bump him down a couple spots. But you just look at how Russell Westbrook impacts the game for the Thunder when he's on the court versus when he's off the court, and they just fall apart with him off the court. You know, I, I really do think you could average, argue that that is a you know a, a 33-35 win team without Russell Westbrook on it. And so while I do think that his his style of play probably prevents you from being the elite of the elite, a real true championship contender that he guarantees you close to 50 wins every season is, I think, something to be uh, congratulated and considered in this top ten. Does Rudy do that? Um, uh, that's a good question. I, uh, maybe not. You know, honestly, maybe not. Maybe not. Quite fifty. I, I would yeah. say that he guarantees you a tenth. Sure. You may end up twenty twenty fifth on offense, and you may still be a forty one win team. Yeah, he probably guarantees you a five hundred record, and then you need to have a few guys around him to sprinkle it up to get up to forty five, forty six, and then you hope you have another star to get you up into the fifties. Donovan Mitchell could be in that conversation pretty close. Donovan Mitchell is the type of guy who could be in this conversation as a top 10 player in the next two or three seasons. Sure. And I don't think that's crazy at all. And I don't think it's crazy to think that by the end of the season, Donovan Mitchell is the Jazz best player. Yeah, yeah, and, and it could be. I, I'm, you know, I, I do think that if you're predicting what's most likely to happen for next year, uh, Rudy's huge, huge, huge defensive impact, and really you know, impact on, on the offensive end a little bit too, but really sure. the defensive impact is the most measurable, and clearly he's the best defensive player in the NBA. Uh, it's just going to be so hard for him to for Donovan Mitchell to beat that, and that's sure. what he'd have to do to be in that top fifteen conversation. Uh, any other problems in the top ten? Anybody not belong? No, I think everyone belongs, and I think it's a good list. Um, you know, the only one is I, I maybe Embiid. You might say uh, is li- unlikely enough to play eighty two games that you might bump him down to number eleven and move like a Paul George up to that, and you know I wouldn't have any problem with that. Um, but you know, I I think it's a I think it's this list overall is a very well put together list. And again, Kawhi Leonard's not in this top ten right now. If Kawhi Leonard's healthy all next season, he'll be top right. six player. Yeah, and, and he and should his, be. is better than Giannis. Yeah, you know, he's a better player than Giannis when he's healthy. He's better at everything compared to Paul George when compared to Jimmy Butler. I mean, he he really just is. But yeah, you you obviously have the question marks of will he play? Can he play? And how will he fit with the Toronto Raptors? Yeah. How healthy is he going to be? That's the big question. He should be a hundred percent healthy and ready to go. I'm curious to watch this Toronto Raptors team. I think they're going to be fun to watch. We thought that all of last year too, right? That yep. Kawhi would be 100 percent ready to go. So you know, it's kind of a you got to show it, and, and we'll see. What, we'll see it when it happens. Uh, you want to get into the Jazz rank? Then we kind of yeah. talked about how we wanted to rank these players. Do we want to start at the bottom and move our way to the top? Or start I'd actually the top and move let's, our way down? let's talk. We've already talked about Rudy and Donovan, so let's let's start at the top if you don't mind. Let's do it. All Number right. one, I've got Rudy Gobert. I do have Rudy Gobert, and for you know the reasons we talked about, just. His impact on defense as the league's best defensive player, the Jazz are five, six, seven points better on the defensive end when he's in there. Um, it's hard for Mitchell to surpass that. Even you look at really successful second-year players in the NBA, and there are a lot of them who have made that second-year leap into an all-star. Even those guys have problems getting to that huge level of impact in their second year because they don't really have that like savviness that you know whether it's drawing free throws or knowing what play to run, win or whatever it is. 
um, that really kind of makes them into a top 10 player right away uh, that they'd have to be in order to, again, match what Rudy does on the defensive end. So to me, Rudy number one, Donovan number two. Yeah, I don't think it's close. Rudy's probably your top player right now going into the season. Donovan will get there, and Donovan will catch him. But based on what they've done so far in their career, I mean, Rudy is coming off a Defensive Player of the Year award after playing just, what, 54 games or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was incredible when he was on the floor. He is incredible when he's on the floor, and that's going to pick up right where he left off. Again, even watching these stupid videos on Instagram, he's just Rudy Gobert still. He just dunks everything. He blocks everything. There's no reason to expect that to change unless he suffers a major injury because he's just now getting into his prime. And he gets better. He's added things to his game. He's better catching the ball than he used to be. He's better rolling to the rim than he used to be. He's quicker exploding than he used to be. He doesn't have to stop and gather like he used to. He's shooting the free throw better than he used to. He's, yeah. he's getting better as a basketball player, which is so promising. Because a lot of big guys say, well, I can do what my big guy stuff is. And, and I made my money. That's good enough. I don't have to do anything different. And he's trying to work on the little things that are hard to get better. That attention to detail, technique, good for Rudy, yeah. good for the Jazz. Donovan comes in at number two. Uh, how much better is he going to be this year than he was last year? Really good question, and I, you know, I, I don't know. I think what you probably have to start the baseline from is what he did in the last three years, or sorry, three months of the regular season, and say, okay, what if he did that for a whole year? What would that look like? Because I think that's fair. You know, you take away the initial uh, inefficiency of the first month, two months of the season, really trying to figure out the game. And remember, he wasn't starting to begin the season either. Uh, and, and so you kind of throw that out and say, okay, let's say he is the 23-point-a-night guy that he was for the last three months. Um, where does he build from there? Clearly, I think he can draw more free throws, and I think he will draw more free throws, if anything, almost as a result of getting the benefit of the doubt when compared to last year as a rookie. NBA's going to want to have him on the floor. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't believe Adam Silver in a smoke-filled room over scotch pulls the referees no. in and says, hey, guys, Donovan Mitchell is the guy we're going to add four more free throws a game to. But – yeah, he gets respect. He's on TV. He's on every NBA 2K ad that you find. Referees give him the benefit of the doubt when he goes to the rim now and draws contact, and they're not going to say, well, Rook, earn it. He's yeah. earned it. He has earned it. So he he's going to start it. getting those calls. I, I, I agree. And so I think that's a clear spot where he can develop a little bit. Uh, obviously, the three-point shot is something you would like to see more of, although, quite frankly, if he continues to take a the high number of attempts that he did at the end of the year, um, he probably can't get up to like the 40%, 38% range that you see from kind of the top percentage guys just because he is going to be taking some of those pull-ups that are, are hard to make. So, uh, you know, I, I think 24 points per game is about what I would expect is is fair and, and is a goal for Donovan to get but is not asking way too much of him. But it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy he averaged but, 20 points a game last year as a rookie. That just never happened. Right. But if you if you look at it, you know, last year, again, last three months where he's at 22, 23 points a game at the end of the year, uh, I don't think 24 is crazy based on kind of adding those additional steps. The uh, other thing I'd like to see one real quick is, is playmaking from him yeah. uh, and just kind of having a better sense of how to do that. Clearly, I think he developed from game to game in the playoff series that he played and from game to game even in the regular season. Uh, but if he can show that from start to finish as a guy who will be the number one team on most uh, most guys, most teams scouting report. Yeah. Uh, I you know he's he's going to need to pass the ball and find his open teammates. And I think he will. But I, you're right; he did that a lot better in the playoffs. And, and here's the thing: that playoff experience is just going to be so enormous for him. Mm -hmm. I mean, he played an extra what, twelve games, uh, eleven games in the playoffs. They went to six with OKC and five with Houston, where he's the number one guy playing the same team over and over, throwing pretty high level defenders at him every night in those games. Having that experience in those crucial situations where he delivered. And then being able to take that to game 17, game 25 when you're playing, uh, which should be a good, not a great Lakers team this year with LeBron 
Like those little things are really going to help him. Yeah. Just having that experience on the road at Charlotte, game 45, is going to be a big deal for him. He's going to learn, ah, I know how to take this game over. I know how to take this game over for a stretch where he was doing that for the first time last year at points. He'll do it much more second nature this year. And even on an individual basis where it's like, okay, I know how Trevor Ariza wants to guard me because we played five times last right. year. You know what? I know that in the first couple of games that I struggled and then, you know, I've kind of figured things out. I figured out what moves I can use against him effectively. And, you know, I, I took advantage of it. And instead of starting from scratch, now he gets to start from that point of knowledge. And I think that's going to be really helpful for him this year. Uh, let me give you a quick read of what they said about him at Sports Illustrated. They said his game has drawn endless comparisons to Dwayne Wade and his marketability is straight from the Damian Lillard playbook, but the recent star that Mitchell most embodied down the stretch was a young Derrick Rose. The unadulterated calm and confidence, the willingness to sacrifice life and limb to get to the rim, the savior scoring role on a roster built for defense, the ability to get veteran teammates to buy in fully and eagerly to everything he was selling, the measured responses to stunning triumphs that the euphoric embrace from his home crowd. He's got to shoot the ball better. They yeah. didn't say that, but that's what I'm saying. He's got to shoot the ball better. Yeah. Up over 40% from the floor, up over 36% from the three-point line. If he does that and gets to the free throw line three or four more times a game, his, his points are going to skyrocket. Yeah, and you know we were talking about him as, again, fitting in that top 15, top 20 category that, that Rudy is in. Uh, how many points per game does Rudy need to average next year? Donovan averaged 20 and a half, and then the next highest score, not counting Rodney Hood, who got traded halfway through the year, was Rudy Gobert at 13 and a half points. Jazz just have to get more scoring from another player so they know where to go. Yeah, I mean, but do you necessarily expect Rudy to score a lot more than he did last no, year? No, I mean, could he add two points? Could he add a bucket a game, 15 and a half? That's a, that's, that's a lot. Two points is a lot. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to poo-poo adding two points to your average. That's pretty good if you can do it. But uh, he, he could. He, he's a big-time player. You know, Rudy, you hope he's not rehabbing at some point in the middle of the season like he was a little bit last right. year. You hope he's not missing games due to injury. Yeah, you hope he can get an extra dunk a game. That's really what it is, an extra dunk a game. Right. That is the advantage of him over a guy who does shoot 40%. He shoots 60%. So the likelihood of him adding two points on one shot is, is much higher than most other players. Yeah, I could see that. You know, Again, I don't know that you should expect huge things. I don't think you should expect Rudy Gobert to show off the jump shot a lot this year. Um, but uh, for, you know, an extra dunk a game, an extra put back a game, uh, you know, it might happen. Heck, maybe you hope that the rest of the Jazz's offense makes more of their shots so he has fewer putback opportunities. Uh, coming in number three on our list. I, I think Is it our here. list or are we doing separate lists? Well, I don't know. Do you? Uh, I, I said our lists. lists. I'll, I'll say lists. Oh, plural. I apologize. We'll get this here and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll com- uh, finish it on the other side. <laughs> I've got Derek Favors three. You don't. I don't. No. Um, I get the case for Derek Favors, number three, and I think you can make the case that he's, he might be the third most talented guy out of yeah. these guys. I think you look at— We didn't really put a criteria for how we were going to rank Yeah, and I, you know, I think you kind of keep it open, but with the idea of it's going to be next season and, and kind of— In my mind, I looked at it as who has the biggest impact on the floor, and I, I looked at last year's Jazz team and how often it played its best basketball with Derek Favors off the court. Um, as kind of the reason I couldn't put him as number three over a couple of other a couple other guys. I mean, Dirk Favors had a good plus minus last year. Don't get me wrong, but the Jazz were at their best with Jay Crowder at the four, or no Taba, or Jonas Trebko. You know, they they did play really well together in those kind of looks. And when it's been crucial, the Jazz have gone away from the Derek Favors, yeah. Rudy Gobert. Two years ago in the playoffs, they preferred Joe Johnson, even though Rudy got hurt. They kind of had to play Derek at the five. They still were better with Joe Johnson at the four than they were with Derek Favors. And then again last year, Jay Crowder, when they could have him out there, Tavo before they got Jay. Yeah, that's that's the ideal lineup for the Jazz. And, you know, I, I think Derek Favors might be the Jazz's third best player. But and in that's terms just of- what I went off, honestly. I just went raw off. Okay. But the, the same way, 
Sports Illustrated just ranked their top 100 players, not by their fit on their team, but who they think their top 100 players are. I went the same way they did, and I put okay. favors at three. Yeah, and, and that's totally fair. Uh, I do think that the gap between him and Rubio and Ingles is really close, as actually shown in that Sports Illustrated list when yep. you know, you've got Ingles at 56, Rubio at 57, favors at 51. Uh, I, I think that, the, the, that he'll play less and that his impact was lower from a plus-minus point of view. Uh, means that I, I have him not as number not as number three, but in fact I'll spoiler alert it number five. Okay. Uh, and who, who do you have at three? At number three, I've got Joe Ingles. Interesting. Um, Joe Ingles not a star player. You know, is not a guy who is going to get his own shot very frequently. Although he started to do that. But in terms of you you look at what he does for the Jazz when he was shut down last year by Paul George, the Jazz's offense stuttered, and, and it was really about how. Uh, they don't have a secondary playmaking option when Ricky Rubio or Donovan Mitchell can't get it going. And I, and I think Joe Ingles has shown himself to be so important to the Jazz's offense. Um, he's the second highest player on the team in terms of real plus minus at plus 3.5. Um, and he plays 82 games every season. Yeah, he does. Uh, I, I think he is the better shot at maybe having the third best season, even though I might think Ricky Rubio has more uh, top side potential, if you will. Joe Ingles hits a ton of big shots. He hits a ton yeah. of shots late in games. He's the he's you know last two years he's been a top five three point shooter in the league. There's just value to that, and he's still getting better at 30 years old. He's found a way to add a little floater to his game. He's found a way to finish at the rim. He's a very good passer. He understands the game. He's a better than adequate defensive player. There's not a lot to not like about Joe Ingles on the basketball yeah. floor. And, and you know, I, again, I totally think it's possible either Rubio or Favors could have a better season than Joe Ingles, but. I can absolutely count on Joe Ingles to have basically the season that we've seen him from him last year and then, you know, last two years in terms of shooting the ball. Then he's got the playmaking and, and whatnot and on top of that, plus the defensive ability. I, I think Joe Ingles is a very, very good player and, and a great fit for the Utah Jazz. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll answer some of your questions. Uh, we've got some tweets at Andy B. Larson, at Ben's Hoops. We'll continue on from number three on our rankings to the Utah Jazz, one through 17 on their players on this year's roster. Stick around. It's the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700, 730. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. We record this on a Thursday night. I know a lot of people listen on the podcast. We appreciate you if you're doing that. Uh, you can always tweet at us questions throughout the week. Just tag us. Let us know you want us to answer it in the Salt City Hoop Show. We try and do them every Thursday. Yeah. At Andy B. Larson or at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. Make sure you give us a follow and send the question. We will uh, be happy to answer them. Yeah. Uh, so talking about Joe Ingles at the end of last segment, Spandex Larry asked on Twitter, Joe Ingles, let's say Joe Ingles is the starting three on the 1997-98 Jazz team. Do the Jazz win it all that year? Joe Ingles? Joe Ingles instead of Brian Russell, basically. Uh, Brian Russell's was good. Brian Russell was really good. Brian Russell, uh, really good? Yeah, he was really uh, good. Joe Ingles is better. Yeah, Brian Russell was a good defensive player, though. Brian Russell was, I mean, he's not that a lockdown defender. Yeah, I think Brian was probably better. He's more athletic. And kind of you needed that at that point. And again, it's a totally different era. Like players yeah. like Joe Ingles didn't exist back then. That's and true. players like Brian Russell don't exist today. Maybe a little bit. You know, you would need him, you would need Brian Russell to be a lot better if he wanted right. to play in the NBA today. He would be. Who's the Ennis guy that... Uh... All right, but then, so 
if if you have to be better than Brian Russell is to play in the NBA, and we just call Joe Ingles different a top sixty player, sure, but he just has to do some of the things he does differently, but better. He's got to be more Trevor Ariza, you know, to make okay. it in this NBA. But yeah, you just you train differently, you know, you play differently, you shoot different shots. That's that's what I mean by better. He's got to be more efficient. He's got to play smarter. They just played such stupid basketball back then compared to the way they do now. They didn't play it wrong. Yeah, no, they just played stupid it, basketball compared to what we know. Yeah, it, it's it's it, you're totally right. It is different. All right, so let me let me ask you this: If you have both of them on the team, if you you have Joe Ingles and Brian Russell, you know, so who's Brian Russell's backup that year? You know, I guess Shannon Anderson. Shannon Anderson. Two, but yeah. then, I, yeah, I guess you only have a nine man rotation anyway. I'm trying to think if they would have had a backup three. Um, is it enough to carry them over the line? Stephen Morris. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Uh, no. Joe Ingles is better than Stephen Morris. Yeah, for sure. Oh, and Joe Ingles probably would have started and probably should have started. Honestly, probably. But you needed somebody to guard Michael. And, uh, you know, Hornacek couldn't do it. Brian Russell. Joe Ingles guarded LeBron. Yeah, uh, different type of players, but sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I don't think that would have made the difference between the Jazz beating. The Jazz needed Rudy Gobert. That would, they would have won the championship <laughs> had they had Rudy true. Gobert. Yes. I feel very confident saying that. Would they have won the championship if they had, let's, let's take it down a notch, like Memo Kerr? Yeah, probably. Okay. Any reasonable center would have really changed the outcome of those games. Now, again, there was just no centers like Mehmet Okur. Yeah. Nobody ever played like that. Right. Dirk was the first guy who really kind of came in, unless you want to talk about Dan Issel. But, you know, those guys didn't exist. So, yeah, there wasn't a five. Detlef Schrimpf was the big man who shot in the NBA at that point. The other guys that spread the floor were Rick Smiths, and that means he shot eight-footers. <laughs> you know, he had a 15-foot face-up game. Patrick Ewing had a face-up game from 15 feet and could put the ball on the floor. Like, there weren't guys who spread the floor back then. Okay. So, yeah, Jazz were really close to the Bulls. Yeah. Jazz were really close in talent to the Bulls. They needed another scorer, and I don't think Joe Ingles was that difference. Now, we got another question that said, hey, would Karolinko have made a difference? Yeah, Karolinko would have made a huge difference yeah, in that series. Yeah, I think you add, either, you add Andre Karolinko for sure, especially prime Andre Karolinko. Yeah. I mean, he's oh, three, prime oh, four, Karolinko was a— He was a top-ten uh, player top, in the league. Yeah. Yeah, so if you added that, he might have been the Jazz's second-best player. By the time Stockton was 1997, 1998, Karolinka was probably a more impactful player wow. at his best than Stockton was at that point. I don't career. know if I'll go that far because I, I, I believe an old man Stockton is still very, very, very good. Yeah, um, the same way old Chris Paul is still a good player. Yeah. Uh, ex- actually, that's a perfect comparison. Uh, but I think Andre Karolinko would, would have been better than Jeff Hornacek was um, that year. Prime Karolinko probably wasn't terribly far off of what Scottie Pippen was doing at that point. Pippen was better. But he probably old, wasn't terribly far off of old Pippen. 97, 98 Pippen. Yeah, I don't think that's prime. That's Karolinko crazy. is not crazy far away from Prime him. Pippen is better, to be clear. Yeah, Hall of Famer. Right. But, Based on just his prime alone, even though he did have the longevity as well. But back yeah. hurting Scottie Pippen. Right. Uh, over under highest scoring output in a game from Donovan this season. This question is from 11 What Up Doe. Uh, his over under is 44 and a half. <laughs> Are you taking the over or the under on Donovan's highest game this year? Over. Yeah, I think that's fair. I bet he puts up 50. 50? Wow. Uh, Donovan likes doing things that people want him to do. He likes having 20-point quarters. He likes having highlight reel dunks. He likes winning the dunk contest. He likes doing the things that are expected of stars, so he will find a way to score 50 points. He scored 41 last year. Yeah. And he's better now. He is better now. And he'll have more opportunities to, to score 44. Yeah, I can absolutely see that happening. And Kind of a, a Damian Lillard sort of way. Um, yeah. I, I would also take the over, and I, I don't think that's crazy, which is, which is incredible. Like, we're, we are, the Jazz have a player that we're predicting will score 45 points or more in a game this season. Yep. 
And he will. He did. He scored over 40 twice last year. He did it against Phoenix, uh, and he did it over against the Pelicans. He did it once on the road, which is crazy, and they did it at home. It was as against well. Phoenix, though. That Phoenix team was. There's going to be bad teams in the NBA every year. That's, That's the good thing. <laughs> you get to play bad teams. The Phoenix team is still around. Four to eight, team, eight times a year. And you're going to. And here, the Pelicans weren't even that bad when he scored 41 against them. That was no, a pretty good team. Honestly, it was Anthony Davis got hurt, right? And then Boogie Cousins couldn't defend him because couldn't he was tired. Him. Yeah. Mm. Uh, should we get back to the list? That's all of our questions, I believe. You can tweet at us at Andy B. Larson at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. You got questions. You want to talk about the Jazz? You want to talk about the NBA? Let's uh, let's keep moving. So your number three was Derek Favors. Mine was Joe Ingles. Who's okay. your number four? I have Rubio at number four. Okay, so do I. Why? Uh, pure impact on the floor that nobody else on the Jazz can do. He's the second best playmaker on the Jazz behind Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he has the ability to get a shot off. When you need somebody to get a shot, mm-hmm. there's not many players in the Jazz that can create their own. I think Favors actually is probably one of the better options, in all honesty, because you can probably give him a 15-footer and he'll shoot it readily. I don't know if he's great at it, but he'll Ricky shoot Rubio, it. Too. But that's the thing about Ricky Rubio. And actually, Ricky Rubio, you can run a play as a high pick and roll, and as long as he's going to his left, that jump shot's pretty good. I like that yeah. mid-range jumper from Ricky Rubio. That's probably the Jazz' second-best shot creator with the ball in his hands. The Jazz just don't have a lot of those guys this year. Even Joe Ingles, who we've talked about already on this list, can't quite do that. He can do it a little bit. He doesn't have any sort of mid-range game. Yeah, and he's got no burst. You know, he's not going to beat you off the dribble. He's crafty because he's slow, and that's what we call slow guys. We call him crafty. But, yeah, he can get to the rim. But Ricky Rubio has an ability to hit jump shots. He has an ability occasionally to finish at the rim. It looked better last year than it has in years past. He needs to continue to get better at that, though, significantly. And then occasionally he has crazy games like he did where he went and hit all those threes in the fourth quarter against Phoenix or against Portland, I should say. He got a huge game against Portland. Jazz went to overtime and won that game. Maybe I'm making that no, up. No, that, that happened for sure. It yeah. was the third At game home. of the season. Yeah, and he was fun to watch and great. And he had a triple-double against Oklahoma City in the playoffs. Like, you have a triple-double in the playoffs and win a game and you're the best player on the floor, you're really important. Yeah. Not many players in the league can do that. And the Jazz had their, what we consider their fourth-best player do that. That's awesome. Would you say he's likely to be their second-leading scorer next year? Yeah, probably. I, I think so, too. Let's I hope think. so. Yeah. I mean, let's not hope so. Let's hope it's Grayson Allen. <laughs> so, no, let's hope Grayson Allen is somehow Donovan Mitchell if you're a Jazz yeah, fan. Right. That's but he's not going to be. Best case scenario. But, yeah, most likely I would say Ricky Rubio is up around 14.5 points next year. Sure. I think that's reasonable. And, you know, again, because that's what he did in the second half of last year. You look at the splits from last year pre- and post-All-Star, and he, he was up at that scoring total. In fact, was at uh, 15 points a game post the All-Star break in his last 23 games. Uh, now, I, I think it's kind of foolhardy to expect to take the best two months of Ricky Rubio's season and say, okay, he's going to do it all year long. But in terms of his his fit and uh, his role on the team, I think that will really kind of stay stable. And, yeah, that 14 points a game is, is probably what's reasonable to expect. He's not going to shoot 40% from three like he did after the All-Star break. But if he gets that to 36-37... Um, maybe takes a few more. Yeah, I think he, he ends up as a as a good scoring second piece. Uh, five? I think we just flipped our players. I've yeah. got Ingles at five. You got, uh, you've got Favors at five. Yeah. I had Ingles at uh, five. I had Favors at three. So okay. we just dance, and I think all three of those players are very close, exactly like we mentioned. Sports Illustrated also had them very close together. Yep. Uh, favors is less replaceable, but he's already been replaced on the Jazz. Does that make sense? It's no. harder to find guys like Favors in the NBA. Oh, I I disagree with that. Oh, I really? think that's why he didn't have a lot of uh, suitors suitors in the trade or free agency sure. market. I mean, I think people are dumb too. I think we're still <laughs> we've yeah. swung so far on the idea that you can never shoot a mid range jump shot and you shouldn't have big guys on your team that a guy like Derek Favors just become criminally underrated because Derek Favors won you a playoff series against the Clippers a year and a half ago. Absolutely, it's, guys. I'm I'm sorry, but NBA so GMs. Sometimes Johnson. you suck at your jobs. 
Yeah, he did. Absolutely, he did. But again, it's big guys who kind of shoot in the mid range, right? <laughs> like that's that's what Joe Johnson did too. Now I know okay. he's a little bit more of a stretch now, four, but really it was about Joe Johnson getting to 15 feet and not being able to be guarded by Jamal Croft. Should Joe Johnson have an NBA job next year? No. Right. Retire, Joe. No. Go away, Joe. Yeah. Not ISO. Not ISO, Joe. Go away. I'm Joe. just saying that like that he won a playoff series last year is not necessarily indicative. And I, I love Derek Favors. I think he's a very good p- part of this team. I argue that. Uh, I think he's pretty accurately, accurately rated by the Jazz and kind of the rest of the league. And, like, there are just so many of these big men uh, that teams don't need a center. They don't need to spend a lot of money on a center. Sure. Maybe that's what it is. You don't need to spend a lot of money on it. Joe Ingles. I guess I'm, I'm debating if I'm starting a team, who am I drafting first, Joe Ingles or Derek Favors? And honestly, I might pick Favors still. Yeah, that's fair. Because he's a big guy who you can give the ball to down low. Again, he can hit a 15-footer. He's a really good defensive player still. Yeah. If you have Rudy Gobert... I picked Joe Ingles. For sure. And again, I think what we did is I went on talent and you bet on that's fit fine. on the team. That's in, that's interesting. That's why we went vague into this thing. The brains of Andy and myself. Uh, Number right. six is interesting. Uh, I think you and I went in separate directions as well. Okay. I went with Jay Crowder based purely on the, his ability to play 35 minutes a night, and that's what the Jazz did. Yeah. As soon as they got him, they just said, yeah, you're playing every game. You're basically a starter on this team. You're just the sixth starter on this team. Because right. they played him a bunch of minutes. And you know what? He had some big games too. Yeah. Now – he had an amazing first half against OKC in a game the Jazz lost that they never should have lost. They were up 30 points, and they lost it in the playoffs, and then they came back and won. So it wasn't a huge deal. And then he was the only guy who did anything in one of the games against Houston as well when he hit a bunch of threes. Problem is, sometimes he's awful. Right. He's just so bad sometimes, but sometimes he's also very good. So I, I chose between Tabo Seflosha and Jay Crowder for this spot. And honestly, I think you just have to look at their seasons last year. And I get that Jay Crowder is six Tabo, and I get that Jay Crowder so you has a better Ta- reputation. Let's just get this out of the way. But you I went, went Tabo. Tabo six, J seven. Yeah. I went J six, Tabo seven. Okay. So we basically have the same. And they're but, very similar players. Yeah, I, I think conceptually. And it's funny because, like, Jay Crowder is a lot bigger than, than Tabo is. Tabo uses his length defensively, but both are very good defense players. Both are guys who are you, – you want kind of shooting the ball, but not a ton of them. They can't create their own three. Um I, I they kind of do different offensive things. I waffled but on this, and I actually I, like Tabo better. But next year, Jay's going to play more. So but I like Tabo better. That's the opposite of your list. I know. I, I did, your best player. Here's the list. thing. I really did kind of put this together quickly. And you can see all the <laughs> you can see all my scratching <laughs> that right. I did here. No, you're good. Uh, that was kind of my debate, and then I went with you know what? He's going to get a lot of minutes, and because once you get to this point, you're out of the starting five. Jay's going to play more. His numbers are going to look better. That's why I went with him over Tabo. But and, and Tabo's older. You know, Tabo's in his thirties yeah. now. Jay's quite a bit and younger. And off a knee injury, and will miss five games of the season. He's got the weed. Uh, but I think, I, I mean, they're so close. They're splitting hairs between those two guys. See, and I don't think so. That's why I put if if it were splitting hairs to me, then I would put Jay Crowder six because of all the reasons you mentioned. To me, Tabo Cephalosha's season last year was so much better than Jay Crowder. I love Tabo shot. 49%, and Jay Crowder thought shot 38%. We did this midseason. We had Tabo ranked as, I think, the third best player on the Jazz. I think we did this last year, mid-year, and we had Tabo Higher before his Ingles? injury. We had him really – we may have gone – Ingles might Higher have been – Higher than Fave? I think we may have had Ingles two and Tabo three, something like that. I mean, we had Tabo in the top five of both our lists. Well, he sucked at the beginning of the season. We did this pretty early in the okay. year. I want to say we did this early in the year. We kind of just said, hey, how is this Jazz team playing together? We both had Tabo in the top five, okay. and that wasn't crazy. And this All is right. the exact same roster that's coming back from last year. Yeah. So it's not crazy All to think Tabo could be back in the top five in a couple uh, halfway through the season. I think he will play less. I think, he, I think he'll be a better player. And that's great. You, you love Tabo on this team. Tabo now, as your sixth or seventh man on any given night, and maybe even back to your eighth man on any given night, depending on who 
else on this list that we're going to talk about coming up throughout the show uh, pops up there is an enormous addition to every team. Yes. And every championship team needs to have Tabo Cephalosha as their 6th, 7th, or 8th best player. Let me ask you one question before we go to break. Uh, how much thought did you put to Don- putting Dante Exum at number 6 or number 7? Zero. Wow. I'm not high on Dante Exum. We'll talk about that when we get to him. That's coming up next. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson, the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops Show, ESPN 700, 749. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. Uh, tweet at us. You got questions about the Utah Jazz at Andy B. Larson at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. We always love to hear from you. We understand it's the offseason, it's a little slow, so we're just trying to bring you a little bit of jazz coverage as the first game is 16 days away. That's yeah. exciting. I'm excited. Is it 16? 15 now, right? It's two uh, weeks it's from Saturday. Today? It's two weeks from Saturday. Saturday. Uh, and Jazz are taking on an Australian club. Right? Purd? Yep. Perth? Purd. Purd <laughs> Happley's basketball team. <laughs> we're going to dribble and we're going to shoot. Uh, so, yeah, tweet in uh, at Andy B. Larson at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. We'd love to answer your questions. We've been running through our Utah Jazz rankings, inspired by Sports Illustrated, inspired by NBA 2K releasing all their rankings. Uh, here's how we have it, one through seven. Not in identical order, but we both have the exact same players, uh, one through seven. Gobert, one. Donovan, two. I had Favors, three. Andy had Ingles, three. We both had Rubio, four. I had Favors, five. Or I had Favors. Uh, I had Ingles, five. Andy had fa- uh, Ingles. <laughs> I had Ingles, five. Andy had Favors, five. Uh, Andy had Tabo Cephalosha at six. I had Jay Crowder at six. And we just basically flip-flopped those for seven. Yep. Uh, I liked... I like Tabo probably as a better player, in all honesty. I think he impacts you more, but he's just going to do it in fewer minutes. And at some point, being on the floor is yep. is significant. Fair enough. Number eight. Uh, I've got Dante Exum. I've got Royce O'Neal. Okay. Uh, I think that is a reasonable take. Yeah. I think Royce, Royce played double the minutes that Dante did in the playoffs. Uh, Royce is a fantastic defensive player who started to figure out the three-point shot a little bit. Um, has more playmaking than you'd think, especially in the open court, than a guy who was signed as the 15th man. He's a wonderful leaker. When yes. he leaks out in transition, he is pretty incredible and has some highlight reel dunks in that. He's athletic. He runs the floor really hard. I, just, I love the way he plays. Yeah, I, and I, I, you know, I, I think Royce O'Neal over Dante is a reasonable take. I put Dante number eight um, because I think he's got more tools than Royce does to be better next season. Uh, his ability to get off to the rim, off the dribble, yep. is something that Royce doesn't have. Is the, in um, fact, only Donovan has it. And even Donovan probably doesn't. And Donovan, I mean, it's not a question. He, by no means, has that speed that Dante Exum has. Dante doesn't have uh, any shake to his game. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need it. He beats you with his first sometimes. step. If he beats you with his first step, he should get to the rim. Now, yes. he needs to get a better Euro step. He draws a weird number of charges or, or commits a weird number of charges because mm-hmm. he kind of just barrels into you because he's going so fast. Also, he's going so fast, he doesn't know how to finish at the rim because, yeah. honestly, he just throws the ball up the backboard going 100 miles an hour. Those are bad things, and, yeah, he needs to learn how to play a little bit slower, and that's where a little bit of shake would be good for him. But he's never had to have it at any point in his career because he's been so fast against everyone he's played against. And I do think the Jazz's second unit will rely on him a lot to be – that score um and, and 
it, it really he's going to need to get again show what he can do, what he did over the last 14 games of the regular season, what he did in the four uh, games against Houston that he played in to really have a lot of success next year. I think he can do it. I think he can be a talented bench piece for this team. I don't see, you know, there was some talk on Basketball Insiders, for example, that he's the Jazz's third star. I don't think he's that. Nope. I have him ranked number eight. (laughs) But I do think that he's going to be more impactful and a better player for the Jazz next year than Royce O'Neal, who I think will be very good. Uh, I I hope Dante's good. I've lost a little bit of faith in Dante Axum. I've got Dante at number nine. Right behind Royce O'Neal. Okay. Um, Royce O'Neal, I'm just thinking, if I'm, it's late in the game, and I've got to pick whether I want Dante or Royce on the floor, it's probably 50-50 as far as defense goes. And then offensively, I might prefer to have Royce O'Neal out there. Yeah. Dante's not a good shooter. Dante does some things okay, but you're not going to give him the ball. Yeah. At, you're going to stick him in the corner late in the game. At the end of the game, you'd rather, probably rather have, I don't know, Dante showed a lot to me de- defensively last year. Um, in the Houston series. No, no question. He was unbelievable against James Harden. I, I'd still probably rather have Royce out there uh, unless it's a couple very specific matchups in which Dante's lateral speed helps him more than Royce's physicality. Uh, but if you're going to go to the three-point shooting percentages at that point, last year Royce O'Neal was 35%, Dante Exum's 27%. I know these uh, games don't actually show anything, but when you're watching the tapes on Instagram, Again, it's a lot of Dante Exum open in the corner, missing open threes. And I think you watch, uh, I watch him in practice last year, you know, after games, before games, whatever it is, I think Royce is the better shooter, um, just period. You know, not by a lot. They're both below average, but by some. Uh, how about number 10? Ekpe Udo. Hey, I got Udo too. Look at us. Udo may not play. Yeah, he might not. So that's maybe too high for him. But when he does play, he is such a plus-minus god, a plus-minus genius, that I, I think he deserves to be at this number 10 spot. Again, kind of squeezed out of the rotation a little bit by having Gobert in favors above him. But at some point, one of those guys is going to get hurt, is going to miss 20 games or whatever it is, and that pay is going to step up and bring what he brings, which is being honestly one of the top 10, 15 best rim protectors in the league. Um doesn't have anything on the offensive end, but like we know from Rudy Gobert, having that level of rim protection, of surprising rim protection, makes Epe such a good player when he does get those minutes. Uh, uh, yeah, and when he's on the floor, he's great. You don't need him very often. And I don't know that anyone below uh, him in this list is going to play a lot either. Again, barring injury. Because you do have... Uh, you do have backups at the guard positions. You've got, a, you've got your th- kind of three, four-man guard rotation. You've got your three, four rotation pretty settled between Joe Ingles, Cephalosha, Crowder, and, uh, oh, Derek Favors, obviously. Then you've got your center position, again, pretty settled with Favors, Udo, and Gobert. Um, I don't know that you're going to see a lot of minutes for the 11th through 15th men on this roster unless somebody gets hurt. Uh Udo, we come in at number 10. You want to get to number 11 really quick? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I've got Grayson Allen. I've got Howell Neto. Okay. Just because I know what Howell gives you. Yeah, I I think that's totally fair. And I think rookies drafted number 21 are incredibly, they're so rarely positively impactful on the court. You look, they usually really need to learn how to play on the defensive end. Usually haven't quite figured it out on the offensive end. I do think that Howell Neto is less likely to get minutes than Grayson Allen. And I think what Grayson Allen showed, uh, could be really helpful from a secondary skills point of view. I agree with you, uh, but you know if Dante Exum goes down again, you've got to have a backup point guard. Sure, and how Donovan Mitchell can do it a little bit and will do it, but I think you like him off the ball. 
And Howell Neto shoots 40% from the three-point yeah. line. He does things really well. Uh, I He's a top... Forty point guard in the NBA. He's just so small. No. Yeah, I think he, I think he's right there. He's just if he was bigger. You think he's an above average backup? I don't. No, I think he's probably an average backup. But some of that's attributed to his size. Right. Then he's forty five. Right. Then. But I, again, some of that's because of his size. You can't play him in the playoffs. But during the regular season, he's really good. And he was really good last year during the regular season when the Jazz needed him. Like I, I think he's pretty good. I I hope that Grayson Allen is better for his own sake as a twenty three year old. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll finish off our list. We'll continue to answer your questions at Andy Larson, at Ben's Hoops. It's the Salt City Hoop Show on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson, a very happy Thursday to you, unless you listen to this on the podcast. And thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading it. That means a lot. Uh, We really appreciate it. We got a comment from someone at Royals and Jazz saying, I want to say I've missed you all so much. Thank you for making tomorrow's workday more pleasant. Uh, His name is actually, is concussion ball season over here? (laughs) I think he's talking about football. I believe it's just starting. I just want to say I've missed you all so much, and thank you for making tomorrow's workday more pleasant, as you just said. Our pleasure. Thanks for tuning in. We're here for yeah. Download the podcast. Uh, we'll tweet it out again. We try and send it out. Make sure it's out there by the next morning. And yeah, it's two hours you can listen to it during your day on a well, Friday. Your boss doesn't care. While we're making plugs, go to the Salt Lake Tribune. Yeah, read the content first of all. Yep. Subscribe obviously. Subscribe. But also we have the weekly run podcast, which hosted by me and our good friend Tony Jones. Yep. We might uh, try and get Tony on the show a little bit. We'll yeah. see. We'll see if we can get Tony out on Thursday nights. Yeah, that'd he's be... covering the Utah State game tonight, so we couldn't yeah. have him out. Uh, but yeah, if we. I listen to that. Listen to the if you want jazz coverage. I'm just saying, open up lots of tabs, open up lots of podcast windows. You've got stuff to listen to all week long. Uh, and if you have you know segment ideas, you have things you'd like us to do every week. We kind of run through this. It's both not. I'm not trying to say we don't prioritize it, but it's both kind of our second or third thing that we're working on. We both have full time jobs outside of this, but we really do enjoy doing this. Mm-hmm. If there's something you want us to do that maybe we breeze over or did once and you really liked, let us know. Tweet at us because yeah. we're happy to do it. We just kind of. We kind of just come in a little bit raw every day. We, which honestly, is, which no, is we have ideal. the conversations that we have in the press room while we're waiting for exactly. jazz practice to open or exactly. whatever that, you know, we have those kind of conversations because we like talking and yeah. we, we like talking basketball. We like so basketball. We like kind of bringing you guys into that as well. Uh, at Andy B. Larson on Twitter, at Ben's Hoops, would always love to hear from you. Uh, this is the Salt City Hoop Show. Okay, we've been ranking jazz players 1 through 17. The extra two players, of course, is for your two-way contracts that you have now mm-hmm. in the NBA. Here's where we are. Gobert 1, Donovan Mitchell 2. I have Favors 3. That's where Andy has Joe Ingles. We both had uh, Rubio 4. I have Ingles 5. That's where Andy has Derek Favors. I have Jay Crowder at 6 and Tabo at 7. Andy has those flip-flopped. I had Royce O'Neal at 8, Dante at 9. Andy had those flip-flopped. And then we both had Ekbeudo at 10. I had Howell Neto at 11. And this is where you had Grayson Allen? Yes. Uh, all right, let's make a case for Grayson Allen. Now, here's the thing. I was way higher on Grayson Allen before and actually during the draft and in Las Vegas when we were hanging out together yeah. as well than I think you were and here in Salt Lake City. So why do you like Grayson Allen more than Howell Neto? Uh, that's a great question. And I, I think it's Howell Neto, you know you're going to get. You're going to get roughly league average backup point guard production. Um, he's a good shooter, knows, knows the defense well. Um, I, I'm just saying that I think 
Grayson showed me enough in summer league from his secondary skills that I think he's going to be able to find a way to get on the court in some situations where Howell Neto is not going to be able to. Okay. Um, due to his size and due to his ability of rebound, um, that you know Howell Neto just can't do. And I think that's what you may be looking for from your fifth man more than uh, Neto if Allen proves that he can stand for no guys defensively, which is a big, big question. It's a question mark. Uh, let's see how he does there. There's a lot of things, though, that could really show in the preseason that wouldn't surprise me, like him being a much better athlete in the half court once he has a little bit of space and just has a much better workout routine. Yeah. They just know how to get you in better shape. They know how to make sure your legs are stronger. They know how to make sure you know how to jump off the foot at the right time to dunk the ball. Your footwork is going to be better. Coming off of the perimeter, there's just so many things you can do better than you learn in college. Even when Which you is have crazy. Coach Krzyzewski. Right. Okay, I, I had this take, and, and I, I, it was a question. It wasn't a take. It was a question. Okay. If Mike Krzyzewski is a coach in the NBA, how many coaches are better in the NBA than Mike Krzyzewski is? Uh, like, okay, here's a question. This is really my question. Is Quinn Snyder a better coach than Mike Krzyzewski? Yeah. I said that too. And Quinn's, what, like the sixth best coach in the NBA? Yeah, but from like an X's and O's point of view, and I think you've got to give Coach K some credit for like winning in some different ways with different It's a rosters. different sport. It's a different yeah. mindset. You have to recruit guys. Now you get guys for one season and they're gone. It's crazy. College basketball is so stupid. But that's you know an opinion. You can like college basketball. <laughs> I don't care. Take. That's just yeah. my take. Uh, th- th- just the idea that that's how you're going to judge a coach on being good or not is stupid. But Duke is always good. But some of that's just because you can recruit guys to Duke. So some right. of that's based on your reputation. But he built the reputation. Right. So good for him. And he obviously knows how to win close games. And, and he wins big games in college. I, just, I, I think, honestly, if I was going to take a coach team and I wanted someone to get the most out of them, over 82 games, I'm probably taking Quinn Snyder. In the NBA, yeah. Now, if I'm putting Quinn Snyder back at the college ranks, obviously I'm taking Coach but K because we know what Quinn is. as a. But as he was a, really good at Missouri. Coach. He just didn't like doing the stuff. Doing the recruiting stuff. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I, I think that's fair. Uh, I, you know, I, I think you have to say Coach K, given everything he's done, is a better coach than Quinn Snyder. It's a but more famous if I put coach. Him, yeah, more famous coach. It's certainly much more likely to like make the basketball hall of fame if he hasn't already. Has Coach A already made the basketball uh, hall of fame? He probably already has because coaches can get there so quick. Uh, I'm sure he is. That being said, Quinn Snyder, I'm picking to win that playoff series because of right. how Quinn approaches the game from an, from an X's and O's point of view. I think. Do you think we could get Quinn off the record to answer that question? No, of course not. What? I know it's he's his disciple. <laughs> you don't think we could get him to speak even remotely honestly about it? About if he would be better than Coach K? Not if he would be better, but how would Coach K do in the NBA, and what are some things that he thinks he does well oh. compared to Coach K? No, I don't think so. Huh. Yeah. I'm, I think you know Quinn, I, I, I think Quinn is so respectful He's and so professional yeah. about what Coach K did for him in his career and even his basketball career of course. that I don't think that he would even entertain that other than to say, other than to say Coach K is my mentor. and you know, I'm going to find somebody to talk to about it inside that organization. Sure, I think someone answers. might, you know, Tony yeah, Lang we'll might have a take on it. Yeah. You know, as the Jazz assistant coach also went to Duke. But I think Quinn is, is going to stay away from that. Too bad. And, you know, because he, <laughs> first right. of all, he just hey, doesn't like talking so. about himself. Rightfully so. Yeah, he if should stay away from that conversation. Quinn, if he thinks he's a better coach than Terry Stotts, you know, but, random NBA coach, he's not going to have But an I don't for think that. Coach K comes in and has the impact on a game that Greg Popovich has. I don't no, think he comes in agreed. and has the impact on a game that, uh, what's his name in Dallas has? Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle. Like, Rick Carlisle is a very, a very good coach. Here's the thing Quinn's as good a coach as Rick Carlisle. Sure. Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens was a great coach at Butler. Brad Stevens did way more at Butler with way less 
than what uh, uh, Coach K gets at Duke. Yeah, and, and you know we've we've seen what Billy Donovan has done going into the NBA, and you know is a decent coach. Uh, is okay not coach. among yeah. the league's top ten. Yeah, he's in that ten to twenty range. Yeah, Maybe. I think that's probably about where Coach K would be. Uh, honestly, like Rick Pitino as a as an NBA coach yeah. was about disaster. in there. It, yeah. it was a, it was a disaster. I don't know that it was entirely his fault. Uh, yeah, and so much of it's falling into place. And yes, yeah. uh, all right. Let's continue our list. We went through there. I, I have uh, Neto at eleven. You had Grayson Allen at twelve. There's going to be a lot that Grayson Allen can improve on, and I think will improve on. And the Jazz are dedicated to developing guys, and I think we're getting smart about not thinking guys can't develop develop past a certain age. Because look at what Joe Ingles has done. Yeah. That's true. Um, Joe Ingles did come into the NBA very late, so it's a little bit different. But again, guys keep getting better. Guys should keep adding skills, and if you're a smart coach, you're, you're not giving up on the guys and saying, hey, you know what? This might seem like a small thing, but if you do it, you're going to be a better player this year. Yeah, and honestly, like even with drafting old guys, who, which I hate, uh, you still get a ton of improvement from their age, 22, 23, 24 season, even up to 25. It's about, all right, now that's the second or third year of that guy's career rather than his sixth or seventh year. And there's just not a whole lot of uh, upward, uh, if you kind of imagine it as a development curve, there's not a whole lot of up left after year two. But in terms of what to expect in their rookie season, I think it's fair to say that there is going to be some improvement there. Uh, And the bigger question, yeah, is whether or not you're just good enough to make it in the NBA. And if you're not good enough to make it by 24, it's a bad sign, or 23, it's a really bad sign. But if you're good enough to be there, there should be things you can still add. Uh, I've got Alec Burks actually at number 12 over Grayson Allen. Oh, okay. Um, Alec Burks, who comes at number 12 on your list? Uh, number 12 is Neto for me. Okay. Uh, yeah. So with Alec Burks, I, I see that. I think, A, we've seen time and time again that Quinn Snyder has basically taken every opportunity to play someone over Alec Burks. I agree. Uh, we thought Alec Burks would play over Royce O'Neal last year. Royce O'Neal played over Alec Burks. Yep. Uh, and honestly, that was the right decision. No question. Uh, Alec Burks has been a did some nice things. He had a great week in December last year, and he had two good games last playoffs, maybe three. Uh, yeah, and those were weird. They're like blowouts, and he came in late and played well. So that doesn't matter to me. I'm not even basing it off of that. I just know what Alec can do, and I don't know what Grayson can do on an actual NBA yeah. floor. And I that, I deduct you from that. Okay, but I and my point is, I think having some variance there, like basically Grayson might be bad. That would mean he's as bad as Alec Burks. Okay, and he might be good, and then you know, like then yeah. he's better. But just because Alec Burks has had such a bad plus minus for year after year after right. year, even and yeah, I know he's been hurt. But even when he wasn't, when in the first four years of his NBA career, where he was a, a net negative on the floor, I don't like hating on the guy. I like Alec Burks. He's a nice kid. Every year he's a minus two or a minus three. Right. Every year. And, you know, if Grayson Allen's that, that wouldn't be a surprise, but it's possible he's a minus one or a zero. Yeah, you know, I've got Grayson Allen at 13 on my list, and it wouldn't shock me if he jumps up to number nine by the end of the year. Okay. Because if he can play, he could, he could absolutely beat out Dante Exum in a rotation. Yeah, if it Dante, it, you know, Dante would have to disappoint. We'd have to. If Dante of, was the same guy he was last year shooting the ball, and Grayson Allen can shoot it at all and create a little bit with the ball in his hands, now he's right. got to play some defense, and he didn't do that. But if Grayson can do that at all, he can absolutely jump into the rotation for the Jazz and be the ninth man on the team. I thought the 14 games Dante was able to, able to play last year were actually pretty good. Yeah, and if Dante can do that, I'm not worried about it. If he does get game planned out like he was in the Oklahoma City series, because the teams just realized, oh, you don't have to try to shoot, you know, you don't have to defend the shot at all. You can just right. back up five steps. 
then he's in trouble. So it, it kind of depends. In the regular season, I think teams just game don't game plan that much. He's going to go Not for the against, ninth guy on the roster. For the ninth guy on the roster, he's going to be going against bench units. He's going to catch a lot of guys sleeping uh, who haven't read the scouting report, and that's going to really help him this regular season. I expect him to play more like he did in those last fourteen games than he did in the Oklahoma City series. I hope so. That's how, those last fourteen games is more of what he looked like those last forty-one games of his rookie season when yeah. he moved into the starting lineup over Trey Burke and was so good defensively and was really promising. But he kind of never built on that, and of course that was due to the injuries. So I hope he's healthy. Uh, and I'm rooting for Dante. I just I haven't seen it yet. And again, it's one of those things where you usually know pretty quickly if a guy has it or doesn't. And he's certainly not this third star that people are writing about for the Jazz. Uh, I hope Grayson Allen comes out. I liked a lot of the things I saw in summer league. Still didn't hit open shots, which is really concerning. Yeah, he shot 30 percent in summer league. But nobody that's, shot I don't well have to in tell summer you league. That that's bad. But, for the most part, nobody shot well in summer league. But you know that doesn't mean those guys will get. That doesn't mean everyone automatically gets better. He might not get better. Yeah, and there's going to be some variance there. I didn't like the kinds of shots he got, um, and I hope that he gets better shots as kind of being the fourth or fifth man in any Jazz lineup that he plays in, rather than trying to lead the way like he did with the summer league team. You're a really bad team with Grayson Allen's your best player, and I think that even goes for your college team. You might be yeah. really good if he's your sixth or seventh best player. I mean, they were Duke was fine, right? But yeah, like, do he wasn't their best player last year. No, he wasn't. Year. He was probably their third. Actually, he he's probably been their third best player for the last three years. Uh, what, what about his sophomore year? That was Brandon Ingram and. You're right. Yeah, that was that was yep. Yeah, okay, he's always been their third best player. They had the kid who ended up. They had Justin Jackson that year too. That they had Brandon Ingram. I want to say who was really good in college. No, maybe no. He went to North Carolina. Yeah, but they had a really good matchup. They had Brandon Ingram. They had one other player that was really good on that Duke team. They even had young Luke Kennard on that team. That's true. Who was good. Who was, who was good. So they've had good players consistently. He was generally the third best player on that team. He was on Jaleel Okafor's team that won the championship. He wasn't the best player that year. He wasn't the best player the year they had Marvin Bagley. So th- there's been a lot of years where he's not been the best player. And the kid that Chicago just drafted in the top ten as well, who I really like. And I obviously can't remember Wendell his Carter name. Jr. Wendell Carter Jr. So he's he's kind of always been that third guy. I like him way better now if he's down as your eighth guy. Yeah. You that know? makes sense. And uh, I think that's promising. That's why you draft him at the end of the first round. And the Jazz said they had offers to move back. Because yeah. team, teams wanted him. I, I don't think the Jazz were the only team that liked him. And I'm guessing there were probably some smarter teams that liked the idea of taking a chance. I mean, I'll say it just because it's been reported. That, you know, Both the Golden State Warriors and Boston Celtics both made offers, apparently, for that number 20 pick so they could get Grayson Allen. Um, and Jazz said no to those offers, which does put some pressure on Grayson Allen to succeed a little bit. Uh, number 14, I've got Tony Bradley. Uh, at number 13? or I've got Grayson Allen at 13. got Grayson at 13. Okay, so 14. I've got A.B. A- here. Okay. Uh, Tony Bradley, you know, again, just watching him in summer league, watching him in the G League a little bit, I, I don't think he's ready to contribute. Is Howell Neto your number 13? Is that what you said? Uh, so I've got Grayson 11, Howell Neto 12, Alec- number 13. Are you ready for it? George Niang. Yeah, okay. We haven't talked Alec about Brooks. George Niang yet. We are getting back to the end of this roster here, which is fine. <laughs> These guys are going to be a jumble and some guesses here. Uh, you've got George Niang at 13. Over Alex. Well, let's Brooks, not skip that. Yeah. Which, again, is uh, controversial. And I will say that it was... Again, looking at last year, looking at who Royce O'Neal was, looking at who is likely to get playing time, and I just think that George Nyang, with what he can do from a playmaking point of view, uh, from a making the offense work point of view, I think he's going to get a real opportunity to earn some minutes if Tabo Cephalosha can't play. You know, in those first five games, George Nyang could be your third small forward, power forward kind of option. Um, and he might have a chance to kind of impress and kind of earn that role in kind of a, a Jonas Drebko or really the last year of Boris Diaw's career kind of way. I know that sounds crazy. Alec Burks is a better player than George Nyang is. Yeah, he's more talented, but that, that but I mean think anything. George Nyang 
might play more and might have a better impact. Yeah, I mean, think of how talented Jaleel Okafor is, and that guy sucks. You know, he's insanely talented. He can put the ball on the floor. He can shoot. He can pass the ball. You saw those things he can you're do. You're saying Okafor is like Alec Burks. Uh, yeah, right. It doesn't matter if you're talented. It just, you know, you've got to be able to put, you've got to be able to do certain things on the floor that get you on the floor. That's more important than having all the talent in the world. You've got to do things that get you on the floor. And the things that George Yang showed in Summer League get you on the floor. He does everything. He passes. He can dribble a little bit. He can be a f- third ball handler, which is a weird thing. But sometimes you need that guy. He can shoot the three. He certainly showed that. He's a big guy who can step out. He can rebound. He plays really hard. He's really slow. He can't jump. Yeah. I worry that he can't get on the floor because he can't do those two things. All of those things are true, yeah. of course. And that, I mean, that, was, that was true of him coming out of college. And that's why people really liked him and didn't know if you could play him. Yeah. And, that's why and, he, and there are still question marks about what he can do at the NBA level. Again, for me... That there are question marks is a point in his favor when compared to A.B. Right. The grass is not always greener on the other side, but uh, sometimes it is. And maybe George, George Yang is that unknown that you want to go for, and maybe that's where the grass is greener. Over Alec Burks, we know that it's mostly dead spots. <laughs> that's, it's, uh, we've, I don't want to be this mean to A.B. Like, he did some nice things, and yet, yeah, I just Alec know Burks that Quinn's not going to play. has $40 million, and he's going to sign a three-year $10 million be deal next year. I know, year. I should not yeah, feel so bad. You know, we don't need to feel bad for Alec Burks. Alec doesn't feel bad for Alec. And I'm here's prob- the thing. I think Alec's actually pretty happy. I think he like, likes his job. And he should, because he makes a bunch of money. He does I'm like sure a job. He, he, would does, love, he would like to play. I'm sure he'd love to play. Everyone would love to play. I'm sure a lot of the guys who don't play would love to get $10 million a year to sit on the bench. So he's, he's doing okay there. George and Yang just signed a million-and-a-half-dollar contract, though, and got a guarantee this year, partial guarantee next year, right? right? And then a partial guarantee even the third year if he makes certain this dates. team clearly believes in what George and Yang can do on the floor. I think you know that's an indication that he's going to get some playing time. So what does he have to do to be the 13th best player on the Jazz? He has to make his, you know, honestly, stand open and make a, make his open threes. Which he's never made a three in a Jazz uniform. He's only played nine games. It doesn't Stop matter. Stop it. That does, yeah. How many total minutes? How many total threes has he shot? Four. Okay. So, <laughs> calm down. Uh, in the G League last year, he shot over 50% from three yeah. and actually took a few. Yeah. So, A, if he can do that, if he can shoot the ball from three, you know, that opens up a significant place for playing time. And then, yeah, he just needs to be, he needs to stay on the floor defensively, stay in front of the fours that he's probably going to be matched up with. He played about 30, mi- 30 minutes total last year. Yeah. So what are you, had one what are you judging felony. him on his 30 NBA minutes? I do like have to say, if you're going to get on the floor, minutes. if you're going to get on the floor, do something while you're on the floor. It's no. a little concerning that if you're on the floor and you're not doing anything, you're never doing See, anything. See, I don't like that. I, you know, I think back to like from like Otheus Jeffers. Do you remember him? Of course. Uh, 10 day that the Jazz signed yeah. five, six years ago. Yep. Uh, you know, he, he made his mission when he was on the court. I'm going to shoot I'm the ball mine. every yeah. time. Yeah, Alec Burks did. And it was ugly every time. Yep. You know, he shot 25% because you can't do that because it turns out the NBA is hard and you can't take every shot. Right. I like guys who know they have a role and they can fit in it. And, yeah, it's garbage time. You'd like for him to do something. I don't need him to take shots. He, I like that he didn't have to prove himself. And then, you know, honestly, that was rewarded by him getting a guaranteed contract for this season. He averaged to rebound a game in those garbage minutes, too. So he did, he did weird things like rebound. <laughs> honestly, he had sure. just one rebound a game and yeah, four minutes a game, whatever he averaged. Rebounded. He Great. played 30 minutes. He's not a bad rebound. Played nine games, so he averaged, what, three and a half minutes a game? He's probably bad from an NBA power forward point of view, but he's not. Yeah. He, you know, honestly, he he can help a little. Bit. But that is going to be the question about George Yang. Is he athletic enough to defend. to do anything? I, I think know? he can shoot. I think he can catch a yeah. shoot open threes. Yeah, 
but you know, if you're just a guy who can't move and all your job is to catch and shoot open threes and you don't offer anything else, sure, then you're Steve Novak and you're not in the NBA. Yeah. You know, and right. he's not at all like Steve Novak. He's way more skilled than Steve Novak is, but the world is littered with six foot eight, six foot nine guys who can really shoot the hell out of the ball and can't do anything else. Yeah. So George Yang needs to prove that the other things and that I like he can that do. Can, he, he can, can dribble do them on the NBA. He can pass. He does have a good understanding of the game. He plays really hard. But he's just got to make sure the athleticism matches that. If the Jazz feel like they can get him in shape, they're not dumb. They, they felt like that was something they can bet on. Uh, let's do a couple more. We've got a couple okay. minutes here. So you've, I've got Nyang 13, AB 14, Tony Bradley 15. Again, Tony I went with Bradley Tony just, Bradley 14. Okay, and who do you have 15? Nyang? No, Kavanaugh. You have Kavanaugh, Tyler above Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh. George Nyang. Because Tyler Kavanaugh has done exactly what we want George Nyang to do, right? He played 39 no. games. He shot 36% from the three-point sure. line. But George Yang can do more from a passing and, and the other stuff point of view. Tyler Kavanaugh, uh, I, 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 actually, yeah, you're totally right, and I, that's why I have Tyler Kavanaugh 16th, well, not 17th, um, but not 17th. But he's six foot nine. He shot 36% from the three point line. He shot 44% from the floor. He grabbed three rebounds a game. He averaged almost five points. Like that's that's good. That's your 14th guy on the roster. Okay, but he is also on a 10 day, so or on a two way sure, contract. Sure. Excuse me. So he can only be with the Utah Jazz for 45 days this season before he needs a, a contract offer. And as you know, the Jazz have 15 guaranteed contracts that they aren't going to waive anybody. So in terms of impact this season, even if he has like a decent month and a half, that's all he can have. Sure. Unless the Jazz, you know, cut wave. Alec Burks. <laughs> right. Find <laughs> no, a way to cut Alec no, Burks, which they might. To. But I mean, like, yeah, if you get a second round pick for him or something midway through the season and someone you're happen. getting rid of. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's not going to happen. No one's taking on Taylor. Well, I mean, the NBA is weird. Maybe. People do weird stuff. Maybe. Yeah, probably not. And then. Uh, so I've got Tyler Kavanaugh 16th. Tony Bradley, I, I like what he's developed over his rookie season uh, in he the had G some League. really good games in Summer League. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, I realize he's kind of a big guy who just is hard to be in front of. Yeah. And he's got decent touch. He's not great, but he's got decent touch. He averaged a double-double in the yeah. Summer League, right? At least it felt like he did every time he was out there. He grabbed 10 boards and yeah. made 10, he's points, a good 10 points. He just does a couple things well enough that you re- I realized, okay, he finished through contact a few times impressively. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I get why he was a first-round draft pick. He doesn't rotate anywhere near as often as he should. I don't know if he's an NBA player still. Yeah. But when he was out there, he did some okay things. Uh, and, and I, you know, clearly is the fourth best center on the roster in a league that has problems playing more than two centers in a game. Unless you absolutely know your 14th guy on the bench is Joe Johnson or somebody like that. You say, I know exactly what his role is going to be. I don't mind you having players that you have question marks whether or not they're NBA players at the end of your roster. Yeah, using, using upside for those spots. Right. And that's where George Yang is fine. That's where Nas Long, who comes in as my number 17 player on my list, comes in here. And Nas is good. Nas does some things well. That Yeah, Nas, yeah it's great. Yeah. Um, I, and in terms of leadership and fitting in the locker room and all that kind of stuff, he's great. Um, he will make the, the stars much better next season. Yeah. Uh, I you know don't see any realistic path for him really contributing next year. I agree. And you know what? If it's close, you just give Grayson Allen those minutes because you're stuck with him for three years. Right. So. Whereas... Tyler Kavanaugh might have a way to earn five minutes a game. Right. Jonas As Drebko. a Jonas Drebko light. Right. Uh, and that, that, So that's my list. Uh, I don't think the last five are necessarily terribly important, as we <laughs> mentioned, but I went with Grayson at 13, Tony Bradley 14, Tyler Kavanaugh 14, George Nyang 16, and Nazmi Trulong at 17. What were your last five? Uh, Nyang, Burks, Bradley, Kavanaugh, and Nazmi Trulong. There you go. I think we did. Our lists were pretty similar. Very similar. Um, and they shouldn't be that debatable. They right. could really change by the end of the season. Yeah, our one of our commenters, our 
uh, Brandon Whitesides tweeted in his list is Mitchell number one, Rudy Gobert number two. We argued that a little bit. I think Rudy Gobert is clearly the the number one based on his defensive impact, but I think that's arguable. Number three, Rubio. Number four, Favors. Number five, Dante Exum. Number six, Alec Burks. All right, now you're going crazy, Brandon. Number he's seven, Joe Ingles. Yeah, he's big. Uh, Alec Burks is not better than Joe Ingles. Go, go sit down. That's that's inaccurate. Uh, Jay Crowder eight, Royce O'Neal nine, everyone else tenth. Uh, you know that's a that's a tie. But again, Tabo Cephalosia, my mind deserves to be up there. Uh, and Dante Axum and Alec Burks are a little bit too high based on what they have done in their NBA careers to this point. We're I'm, gonna take a break. When we come back, let's look around the uh, NBA. Some of the big moves that have been made lately. There's been some late trades. Yeah, and we've got uh, a nice compliment from David Stern oh. that I want to talk about. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Not for us. Not for our show, unfortunately. We should try and get <laughs> David on. He's bored, obviously. Yeah. That's coming up next. It's the Salt City Hoop Show, Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. Find Andy on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. Read him at uh, the Salt Lake Tribune.com. That's sltrib.com. He's a beat writer for the Utah Jazz. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Find Andy at Andy B. Larson. You can catch me on Gunther and Ben, 2 to 6, Monday through Friday, right here on ESPN 700. We are talking the NBA, some of the recent moves. Uh, how about Ryan Anderson finally getting traded? That was something yeah. the uh, Houston Rockets have been trying to do for a long time. Jazz had kind of, now I don't think the Jazz were ever seriously involved in conversations, but were always mentioned as a potential landing point because Ryan Anderson makes sense next to Rudy Gobert. Right. There's just clear strengths and weaknesses fitting there. But, um, I, I mean... First of all, I think you have to give Houston some credit for getting rid of Ryan Anderson's contract without giving up a first-round pick. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I don't know that Marquise Chris is going to help them next year. Um, I don't know that Brandon Knight is going to help them next year. He was one of the worst players in the league yeah. two seasons ago um, before he, I believe it was an ACL tear, um, caused him to miss all of last year. He's uh, So I, I don't know that it helps the Houston Rockets next year. But I don't think Ryan Anderson necessarily was either. Now, the guy I do think is, is actually kind of a big miss for them is DeAnthony Melton, who was really could have been a first-round pick last year, ended up slipping to the second round, and did some really nice things in Summer League that I thought he had a NBA future along the lines of Patrick Beverly. Um, so they kind of cost themselves a chance to add some youth where they really could have used it. Uh, Marquise Chris, I get it if you think he can be a rim runner, a la Clint Capella. I mean, he's never near as talented as Clint Capella is. He's a freak athlete. Yeah. If you want to get him in a run, just say, hey, you get to catch some lobs from James Harden. Sure. Stay out of the way and then jump. That's that's a skill, and you can be – you're probably – he's probably their second big, unfortunately, which is not great. He's probably their second center, I guess I should say. He's really not very good, though. Marquise Chris is absolutely a bust. Yeah. I, I, I think he's so bad defensively that, you know, you may just want to not play him. And he's, he's not all there. Is Nene still going to be on that roster? Uh, I, I would probably play Nene over him. Yeah, I would too. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I don't think it – but I, I think it's a good bit of GMing to get out of that without spending an actual first-round pick, even though 
DeAnthony Melton could have been a first round pick this year and had some uh, had some nice. A lot uh, of people really upside. liked DeAnthony Melton. A lot of people really liked him. Again, he didn't get to play last year at USC because of the stupid college rules. Yeah, college rules of receiving money, or there was fear that he received money or cheated, whatever it was. His stupid rules, shoe shoe related, to not be able to play at USC. Uh, if he had the jump shot, he's a he's a he's a bit of a beast defensively. So yeah. he's a guy who's going to have a future in the NBA. So that could be fun. Uh, yeah, and Brandon Knight sucks. So I don't think Houston got better. But they got out of Ryan Anderson's contract. That's what it was about. And you kind of get what Phoenix is trying to do. You know, they thought those those guys are not going to be contributors next year. Let's take a flyer on DeAnthony Melton. And they're starting to try to like believe in defense as a thing that they need to actually do. Getting DeAnthony Melton, uh, obviously, getting last year's first round pick uh, will will really help. Uh, getting Trevor Ariza will really help. Uh, I, I obviously think they're they're trying to do something on the defensive end. Which is Gordon Hayward says he's about 100%. That shouldn't be a surprise. He missed all yeah. of last season and somewhat felt precautionary, even though kind of seeing him late in the year or the videos that have come out over the summer, I don't think that was precautionary. He was not ready to go. Agreed. And, and I think, you know, he said he's physically about 100%, mentally not really quite in game shape yet. But obviously, I don't know that there's a ton of players in the league who are, you know, two weeks before training camp begins. I, I think he'll be about the same player as he was um, next year. I'm you know, not- I, I'm not that worried about slippage. I'm curious just about what the rest of his career looks like, and not because he, for some reason, got less talented. I don't think that happens. You know, I mean, a serious injury can change your game. Sure. Look at Sean Livingston. I mean, it changed an you know a very high rising career to being something totally different. Now, Sean Livingston's made a very good year or made a very good career uh, out of his life after that horrible knee injury. But there are definitely some things that can affect you. Uh, Gordon Hayward's situation might be a bigger impact, or may have a bigger impact on his career than necessarily what the injury was. And I mean that by Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum being there, by Kyrie Irving being kind of a weird basketball player, by Marcus Smart being kind of a weird basketball player. Uh, they've got some good young players that are going to obviously deserve time. Terry Rozier is going to be there. Apparently the Knicks are already chasing Kyrie Irving. are going to make him yeah. and Jimmy Butler their number one targets. There's just a lot kind of going on there. So he may have a one- weird one-year season that makes a lot of sense with Boston, and then they might be looking for some answers and have to figure it out from there. See, and I think, if anything, it makes sense. Like, I think it will work out for Hayward either way. So, like, if Kyrie Irving leaves, then I think Gordon Hayward, you know, is gets more of the ball and it kind of works out in, in Boston. If the Celtics decide or if they get a the opportunity to do a consolidation trade, you know, a, a trade for basically Anthony Davis, yep. uh then Gordon Hayward goes to New Orleans and is the definite number one star there uh, and, and has an opportunity to lead a team in it, and it works out pretty well for him. I, I don't know that it will – I don't think he's going to be coming off the bench, and I don't know that it will make him look like a worse player in any of these kind of scenarios. I think he sense. really wanted to go win a championship somewhere, and I don't know if those timelines are going to add up for him. Okay. I mean, Maybe I think not, he wanted yeah. to go to Boston. That was one of the things he said in the Players' Tribune. We've got unfinished business, me and Brad Stevens – and it looked like Boston, with LeBron James leaving, that was going to be a real possibility. And, I, you know, Boston's going to make the finals this year. I don't think they're going to beat the Warriors, but I think they're going to make the finals this year. Then if you lose Kyrie, though, or you and, you know, Al Horford's getting, only getting older. He's not getting younger. Those are going to be issues for them that they're going to have to deal with. And maybe that window in Boston that looked wide open for so long closes really quickly because I love Jason Tatum. He might be a number one star in the NBA Maybe Jalen Brown and, and Gordon are twos and threes that they can help you win a championship, but they're going to need to be a more complete team. 
Okay, so let me ask you this. First of all, I was going to ask, does he leave a finals winning team? But heck, he's done it before. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does. He can't wait to do that. Uh, secondly, though, let's say he does leave. They still may be the best team in the East. Yeah. You know, honestly, if 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 what you say comes true and Jason Tatum becomes a legitimate all-star and Jalen Brown does too and Gordon Hayward is one too, you're talking about a, a team with three all-stars in the Eastern Conference? That still may be the favorite to come out of the East. Yeah, it should be. Even if the Knicks have Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving sure. and even if Philly has Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. You know, those yeah, are, let's see what happens those with are real... Kawhi. Let's see where he sure. goes. You know, uh, yeah, there's a lot of question marks. No, Boston is set to contend for a long time. Yeah. Uh, they're designed absolutely to be a good team beyond this. I wonder if they have a true, you know, do they have the guy who's going to win you a finals by being the best player? I don't think Jason Tatum is that. Yeah, maybe But maybe not. he is. You know, I would say maybe Donovan can get there. And honestly, Donovan and Jason Tatum were both just insanely good last yeah, year. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, to me, I don't, I don't think that we know enough to say that it's not going to work out for him. In, in Odds are it won't because there's not many players who have ever existed that can do that. That have won a championship. That are the best player in the world. That win you a championship. Okay. There's two an era, two a decade that can do that. Generally, do you think Gordon's goal was to be the best player on a championship? Oh, team? Oh no, 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 no! He wanted to win a championship. I think he wanted though. to win a championship. Correct. Right. His championship window just might close in Boston. Is my thought. Even if you're a finals contender every year, that doesn't necessarily mean you're you're a contender to win a championship. I I, I think he, I, I think it looks as good or as or better than when he signed there. Yeah, because Jason Tatum has looked so good, and yeah, maybe Kyrie stays. Stays. You know, they they re-signed Marcus Smart. They clearly want to win some games. We'll see what they do with Terry Rozier this year. But Yeah, but it's not crazy to say that Jason Tatum could be better than Kyrie Irving at some point. I agree. And Terry Rozier is really good. It's really serviceable. Yeah. A very high-level point guard. And they've still got good draft picks coming up, which is crazy. So good for Boston. Uh, Gordon Hayward being back to 100%. They're going to be fun to watch. They're going to be interesting to watch. I, I like Boston. You know, I, I know that's a little bit blasphemous here in Utah, <laughs> but... They're going to be really fun to watch because I like Jason Tatum. It's hard not to like him. Yeah, honestly, they are a fun team to watch because they do move the ball a ton. They they play defense really well. Brad Stevens has some fun X's and O's kind of plays that you're like, oh, that's a that's a fun wrinkle, a, a backdoor that you didn't see coming or whatever. I think they they are a fun team to watch. You know, all, all, you know, even if they only have three out of those five guys. Uh, David Stern says the Jazz are the best fan base in the NBA. Yeah, and you know that's kind of going back to his era a little bit when I think. You can say from, I don't know, 1990 to 2004, I, I think you can make the case the Jazz had the objectively best fan base in the NBA. Now I think there are some other teams that have kind of come up, whether it be through new franchises like the Oklahoma City Thunder or really the Golden State Warriors who have been so good uh, that they've brought their fan base kind of along. But quite frankly, that fan base... I go to Oracle Arena, and that, that arena gets loud. And I go to OKC, and that those fans are legitimately good. But if you just look at, like, year-over-year year solid fan basing being loud, and how loud Vivint Arena gets is probably the loudest arena that I've experienced in the NBA. Yeah, you know, the Warriors are great. And I'm sure in the finals it's insane, and, you know, there's great arenas like that. In the that. finals it might be less insane because uh, just tickets get so expensive. Right. But even, you know, regular season Warriors games uh, against the Jazz that don't matter to them anymore matter to the fans still, and that's really impressive. Uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, and I, I do say this every year. There's a point, it's usually late in the third quarter, the Jazz go on a run. I don't know if altitude clicks in. I don't know if it's just Jazz are deep and they're going to have, you know, late in the third quarter when their subs come in and your subs come in, Jazz are going to outlast you a little bit. I don't know what it is necessarily there. Every game, just about, 
Jazz are down or the Jazz go on a big run and go up big, the crowd goes crazy every single game at least once that it's it's near deafening. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to say it sound too hyperbolic when I say that, but there is it's just a great crowd. At least once a game, the crowd goes absolutely insane, and it's fun to be a part of. Even yeah. if you're the media just watching it, covering the game, it's fun to realize because you can feel that type of energy. Where does Game 3 last year where the Jazz blew out the Oklahoma City Thunder, wore the city uniforms, Ricky Rubio has the triple-double, that to me, where does that rank for you? Because for me, that was one of the best spectator experiences I've ever I've ever witnessed, I've ever been in, I've ever felt. Yeah. Because you did feel not only emotion, but just like that many decibels flowing through you right. just and has an impact. Ricky was hitting crazy shots. Yeah. I I mean, to me that's a top two crowd I've ever experienced. And I, I you know, I've been to like I've been to World Cups, I've been yeah. to just some of the biggest sporting events that that exist. And just in terms of sheer loudness and sheer passion and, and also, honestly, how good the court and the fans and everything looked in that game. Yeah, the aesthetic was, is all perfect. Was special. Yeah, it, it's up there. I mean, the Jazz can have it as good as anybody in the NBA. Honestly, then, and I, not every team can do that. Yeah. Now, in the playoffs, even Sacramento is going to be rocking, and certainly did when Chris Webber and Vladi yeah. Divac and you know Peja were there. Those are but great crowds. Those are great crowds. But you know, the Jazz have that same too. There's nobody who has a bigger advantage than what the Jazz are getting. Now, the Jazz are probably equal to other teams, but the, no other team is putting something out there that's so intimidating to the opposing fan base. Or to the opposing team that you know that, that the Jazz can't match with their fan base. There's this graph that came out a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you saw it, but it ranked all of all a hundred or so, 120 professional sports franchises from Major League Baseball, NHL, NFL, and the NBA, and who had the best home court advantage statistically over time. The Jazz were number two out of 120 teams. Uh, number one was the Denver Nuggets because of the altitude difference. Obviously, the Utah Jazz have that as well. But I'd say number two out of 120 is a pretty good place to nice be in professional tip of the caps. Yeah, anytime you can be in the top two percent, it's uh, pretty incredible. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk a little bit more of the uh, jerseys because there's uh, some rumors swirling about yeah. the Utah Jazz. Stick around. Eddie Larson, Ben Anderson, Utah's number one sports talk. Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Andy Larson, beat writer for the Utah Jazz at the Salt Lake Tribune. Ben Anderson, co-host of Gunther and Ben, right here at 2 to 6 on ESPN 700. Tweet at me at Ben's Hoops. Tweet at Andy at Andy B. Larson. you got questions, we're always happy to answer them. Uh, Jazz may have some new jerseys coming up again this year, but they're uh, new old jerseys. Yeah, so six total jerseys for the Jazz, believe it or not. We've got the traditional whites, the traditional blues. We've got the yellow statement jerseys that they released last year. The city jerseys, the orange technicolor. Down to black. Down to black uh, gradient jerseys that everyone loved. Uh, then the fifth jersey is a throwback jersey. The Jazz are one of ten teams this year with a throwback jersey. Um, it's From what I have heard, and this has not been officially been announced, but I have reported it, that this jersey will be purple uh, and will not be the purple mountains jersey, though. It's just the jersey everybody the purple wants. Throwback. I don't know that everyone wants. Like, that jersey is kind of ugly. But they, they for a throwback, they should just wear it. Yeah, it'd be cool if Donovan Mitchell wore an ugly jersey. Yeah. Uh, instead, they're going <laughs> they to, kind of to the, the like, city jersey. <laughs> 1983 
uh, purple jersey, kind of the Adrian Dantley look. They should go with the one the year that the Jazz had the jersey and the shorts that didn't have the same color. <laughs> they Great. were both purple, but they weren't the same color purple. <laughs> Love it. Which is a bad look. Uh, uh, yeah, don't have off purple and purple. Nike may be able to figure that one out. We'll yeah, see. they could. I don't think they will. <laughs> I think they'll be smart not to put that ugly of a jersey out there. The city, I don't know, the city shorts are different colors. Yeah, they are. And you then you still can't buy This is actually like a small thing because nobody really wants the city shorts. Okay, some people do, but they're not going to sell the city shorts. Uh, they're still not.